This is the Mariners' season preview. To the wall, he tracked near the wall, leaps up, and it's gone. Goodbye, baseball. The most comprehensive inside look at the 2021 Seattle Mariners ahead of opening day on April 1st. Now, here are your hosts, Shannon Dreyer and Curtis Rogers. For the next two hours, it is all Mariners baseball right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. I'm Curtis Rogers, joined by Mariners insider Shannon Dreyer. And Shannon, baseball is is here. We're just a couple days away from opening day at T-Mobile Park, April 1st. Mariners taking on the Giants with 9,000 rowdies in the stands you blink and it's here, and I mean, I'm, I might be caught a little bit off guard with just how quickly this season's getting here, but Shannon, you've you've been in Peoria. You know how this team is going to be looking head, coming into opening day, and, and we're just a few hours away, really, from seeing what this roster's going to look like. I, I'm ready for it. I, I think I'm ready for it. Are you ready for it? Well, first of all, Curtis, five days until opening day, and it's great to be talking with you almost in person and hopefully we see you at the ballpark this year <laughs> and seeing that you are nearly a new dad a dad for the first time you got to practice this one five sleeps five sleeps oh, until opening day boy that's how this works trust me <laughs> the, the sleeps have never been more uh more valued in the rogers household than they are right now because <laughs> we're not going to get many of those uh once once baby rogers is here in may but uh, yeah, Shannon, this team right now, looking at what we're going to see on opening day, it'll obviously be different as the season goes along because there's a wave of prospects that are going to come up at some point in this season, at least hopefully, uh, you know, health health willing that they do. Um, but man, this off season, for obvious reasons, was was just wild from a base from an MLB perspective, from a Mariners perspective, but. I think this year's ball club, the 2021 Mariners, might be the most intriguing that we have seen here in Seattle over the last probably three or four years. It is. And you know what? I'm ready to put the offseason behind us. I'm ready to put, you know, they got through the 60-game season last year, which I think was a tremendous accomplishment that uh, I'm convinced they don't get enough credit for. And really, in being down in Peoria and and hopping on a plane for the first time in a year and, and being out around people and out around baseball, you just really got the feeling that you know what this this is going to be pretty darn close to a normal season. It, it was it, it had the feel. We weren't able to go in all the different places we were able to. We weren't able to just walk up to a player and talk to him like that we used to. We couldn't go in the clubhouse. But the baseball itself, to watch this team get ready, to see the guys run the drills that they would normally run, uh, to play the games they would normally play, uh, the biggest takeaway from all of that is, all right, let's go. This is real. Have that excitement. And then, so where are they right now? And we've talked about their plan for the last three years, and this is an important part of their plan, as you say. And I think it's going to turn out to be a little bit of a mix and that there will be development, but if things break the right way, it could shift into a different direction in the second half of the season. And quite like last year when we got them in front of us for those 60 games, I think what we saw in Peoria just affirmed that Uh, So many things are going in the right direction for them, particularly when it comes to the young players and 
it really appears that a lot of their timelines have really sped up despite all the hurdles and obstacles that have been thrown in their direction. And that, uh, you just find tremendous excitement when you're seeing these players jump off the page and you're seeing them in front of you. And whether it is something that you hear Rick Riz or Gary Hill or Aaron Goldsmith call on the radio or you get to see on TV, or if you were one of the lucky 2,000 that got into a ballpark during spring training each night, to see it in front of you and in person, it just seems like so much of this talent is for real. And I think the rule of thumb is, is only so many are going to be for real, but you look around and uh, these players are just so exciting and the way that they are coming together and their attitude and their work ethic and, and the coaching and the interaction and everything that you see down there. Uh, it, it just leads you to believe that this is progressing in the right direction and perhaps quicker than we thought, even though, you know, you lost almost a full season last year, but uh, so much excitement. We throw out the names, Kelnick, Rodriguez, Gilbert. You see the steps that Marco Gonzalez took forward. Ty France comes out of nowhere. Man, can he hit. Uh, you look at Evan White and, and the steps that he can take forward with the bat. Love what he and J.P. Crawford did with the gloves. And then Justice Sheffield, by all rights, should have been in that Rookie of the Year conversation last year. Uh, I think I can go ahead and predict we're going to have another Rookie of the Year come out of Seattle this year. I think you will see Jared Kelnick much sooner than later and by you know in time to qualify for Rookie of the Year and, and make some noise. So, uh, so much to look forward to uh, when I look at it. Absolutely. And, and you mentioned the sped-up timeline for some of these prospects that have, you know, have the expectations of the world seemingly on their shoulders I think the one that made the biggest statement in the Cactus League, at least so far, has been Taylor Trammell. And somebody who was acquired from the Padres last season during the trade deadline, that big deal that sent Austin Nola to San Diego. They brought back Ty France, who is going to be a a big contributor on this team. Uh, But Taylor Trammell, I, I think a lot of people kind of figured he was a little further away from making the roster. I mean, nothing confirmed yet about him making the opening day roster, but with the news last night that Jared Kelnick will start the season in the minor league camp, all signs kind of point to Trammell being the starting left fielder on opening day. Uh, Shannon, what have you seen from Trammell this season that, or at least this Cactus League, that is different than kind of the story written about him prior to the 2020 season? Well, what's really interesting when you look at him, I mean, he, like Jared Kelnick, was a pretty high draft round uh, draft pick and straight out of high school, but his path was a little bit different in that they took it year to year at each level for him. And he had big success early when you looked at A-ball. I uh, had big success early in double-A and then about midway through just fell off the table. All of a sudden, you know, the numbers are, are not at all what you saw before and a lot of the talk around what happened was is when he was traded over to the Padres there was a swing change and that did not go well for him for a season so all of a sudden he lost a little bit of his prospect shine because the numbers were down because he was traded that usually can kind of take you a step back as well but the thing that really intrigued me in watching him was he got to the Mariners. They, It was an interesting trade because you couldn't really see. He was at the alternate site last year. So they traded for him without having seen him since spring training in three, four months at that point. 
and their intent was just to get him to the alternate site and, and get to know him, both as a player and as a person. A lot of times when a player comes into the organization, they have all the data. They have ideas of what they want to do with them. Trammell was somebody that they were just going to let play, figure out, figure out where he was and how they could work with him. And, uh, you know, you looked at what he did in the instructional league in the fall, and the numbers were a little horrifying to start with. And I had people tweeting me, why are there so many strikeouts? What's going on here? And just as you were starting to panic, all of a sudden the strikeouts went away. And looking at that and hearing a little bit more about the player, I, I kind of got the feeling that, you know, A, he's already, he hadn't struck out much before. He had a good idea of the strike zone. And when he was striking out, it might not necessarily have been wild swings. They, uh, you know, might have been close pitches. They may have been pitches that he couldn't do much about. You know, the consensus was he did have a good eye. But my thought was that once it clicked in, it could move quickly. Just because he took that step backwards in double A didn't mean it was going to take a full year or longer to get back because he had that experience behind him. And I think that's what we saw in spring training. He also went to work on the arm. He looks fine out in the outfield. Looks like you could play him all three spots if need be. Smart base runner. Stole some bases. And then, you know, once he started playing games, I say this all the time with the young players in particular, you know, pay more attention to what they do the last two weeks than they do in the first two weeks. The competition gets tougher. The pitching they face gets tougher. They're facing the starters longer. That's usually when they start to fall off. And he might have gone on a little roller coaster here and there, but just when you think he was like, okay, okay, he needs a little bit more time, he would come through with a big hit. And in his case, most of the spring, his hits were all for extra bases, which was very intrigued. They say there's untapped talent there, I think, or untapped untapped power there and I think we started to see that and you know the line from Scott Service was he makes things happen every ball game he gets into he seems to impact so uh, very interesting there and with all that said I I think that if he does make this roster and I think he will though I think Jake Fraley really really turned it on in the last couple of weeks of the season if he does make it you know let's remember this is his first time up he is still very young and uh, I think that he will have his ups and downs and roller coasters as most players do but he certainly uh, had an eye-opening spring he absolutely did and and that's just one piece of this 26-man puzzle that we're going to see likely over the next couple of days here as the season gets underway in in five more days uh, Taylor Jamel also a personality that I think Mariners fans are going to fall in love with he is uh, one of the absolute good guys of the system Uh, just a magnetic personality somebody that uh, always has a smile on his face. He is just one of the absolute good dudes in baseball. Uh, Shannon, those are some of the big names in camp right now and some of the big position battles, but is there anybody right now that you saw during your time in Peoria that maybe hasn't gotten enough praise for where they're at in their development at this point in their career that uh, could very well make that opening day roster and, and maybe contribute more than what we're expecting. Well, I don't think there are any surprises here. You know, he came into camp with not very many battles and pretty established at all positions. But for those um, that are, are in positions, I don't think Luis Torrens quite got enough uh, credit for what he did last year with the bat in particular. I think there is more of a hitter there. And, you know, that's going to present a very interesting situation for the Mariners at some point. Cal Raleigh, you will see this year. That's three catchers. What do they do? Um, uh, you take a look at uh, what Sam Haggerty did, who's probably going to earn a bench spot, and uh, he's earned the confidence of his manager and shown that he can do 
different things, much like Dylan Moore did two years ago. On the pitching side, somebody that we're not talking about enough is the guy that you're going to see at the end of ball games. And Rafael Montero got off to a slow start, had some visa issues, um, and so you know, was a little bit behind. But he's just gone out time after time after time, and it's been nothing but good stuff from him. Very nasty early on from him. So I, I think that that is somebody. Hopefully, is a pleasant surprise and uh, another bullpen arm, which will be interesting. I don't know that he is going to make the team because he is just coming back from injury. But Domingo Tapia, Mariners picked him up from the Red Sox, I believe, off of waivers uh, a year ago. Uh, we got to see him in the first couple of games, and it was, oh, okay, well, that's different. Uh, very, very heavy sinking ball. He was able to, you know, he got nothing but ground ball outs when he came into games. Unfortunately, we only saw him two or three times, had a slight oblique strain, got back on the field yesterday. Ryan Devish uh, put up some video to his one inning and reported him throwing 97 to 99 with heavy, heavy sink. And that is uh, muchly, <laughs> looking for a better word there, uh, that is much uh, welcomed in that bullpen. So I don't know if he'll be there on Thursday, but if not, I think he will be there shortly after. Well, let's stick with the pitchers and take a look at this starting rotation when we return. She is Shannon Dreher. I'm Curtis Rogers. We're going to take a look at the starting rotation and also maybe the bullpen as well as this Mariners team kind of comes into shape, comes into vision. Uh, we're just five days away from opening day. This is your Mariners season preview right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to the Mariners season preview on 710 ESPN Seattle. We're with you until 3 o'clock here on this Saturday afternoon previewing this 2021 Mariners season. She is Mariners insider Shannon Dreher. I'm Curtis Rogers. Coming up in about 10 to 15 minutes from now, we've got Mariners Major League Field Coordinator Carson Vitale joining us. Uh, on the show, giving us a preview of what to expect uh, with this team when they hit the field at T-Mobile Park on Thursday, April 1st. That's coming your way in about 10 to 15 minutes from now. But Shannon, this Mariners rotation, this Mariners pitching staff taking shape, and I got to be honest, I am really looking forward to seeing this rotation play out. Probably going to start with a six-man group. You've got James Paxton back in the fold. You know what he brings when healthy and, you know, based off of his first action in the Cactus League, that eight strikeout performance against the Milwaukee Brewers, that's going to be very encouraging. Marco Gonzalez, we know what he brings to the table. Justice Sheffield coming off a very encouraging season. A lot of lefties. Shout out to the lefties. I mean, a great group of people. Uh, (laughs) Might be a little biased in that, but... uh, Shannon, when you look at this rotation and the expectations you have for it, is this a group that could be one of the better groups of arms in the division and maybe even so in the American League? I mean, that might be a little hopeful, but they've got some upside here. You know, I think people hear that and they think that might be outrageous, but you've got to think back to a year ago when uh, they finished. I know it was just 60 games, and that's that's going to hang over everything. We don't know everything from what we saw last year. We have a good idea, but we don't know everything. Uh, but last year in those 60 games, they came out ninth in all of baseball. The rotation did in war, wins above replacement. And uh, you are returning 
those that had impact, and you have added James Paxton, as you mentioned. Chris Flexen, a little bit of a wild card. I think he's going to kind of grow with the younger players there. But what I especially like is I like that they're going with the six-man rotation, that they decided very early on that we're going to protect these arms, and we we don't know how starters are going to react to not pitching a full season last year, and they're not taking chances with that, going with the six-man rotation. Not everybody likes it. The vets don't like it. There's no question about that, but they understand why they're doing it. I think there's also been a little reassuring to the vets that, Should we find ourselves in a place where we are going for this, we'll start going with the five best arms in the rotation. I heard that from a couple of guys. So I love the competition that that sets up. I love that Logan Gilbert is going to be there sometime very, very soon. And I love the depth that they have and that if Nick Margavichus doesn't make this rotation, that's a darn good number seven to have. When you think about, you know, your number fives on most teams traditionally have been just very kind of a marginal guy, or it might be 10 different guys throughout the season. This is a deep, deep rotation. And if the injuries do uh, become a major story of 2021 coming off that shortened season, I think the Mariners are in very good shape. When I was down in Peoria, I had the opportunity to do something kind of fun. And uh, something else this rotation has going for it this year is they got their catcher back. Tom Murphy is back. He is 100% right now. And, uh, you know, they not just what he's able to do with the bat, but what he's able to do behind the plate. His preparation is second to none. Uh, he knows which buttons to pitch or to push with all of his pitchers. And uh, he plays a big, big role in this. But I was able to sit down with him and uh, uh, ask him for some thoughts on every member of the rotation. Here's just a little preview. Marco Gonzalez last year, I mean, he just gets better and better every year. And last year it just seemed like he knew exactly what spot to hit yeah. with every hitter. Is that his superpower? It is, and it's um, you know, it's something that I try to instill with most of the uh, pitchers that I, I talk to is the ability to understand who you are as a pitcher and as a person is something that is as powerful as anything anyone can give you. And to understand that is one thing, and to accept it and to really – get excellent at that is another thing and that's what Marco is really chasing in my opinion and it, it shows it shows at the end of the year both how he feels as a person and how he, he did as a baseball player that year. What do you want to see from Kikuchi? I want to see him just <laughs> you know it, it's this is a this is a funny question to be asked because I, I want the world for that kid. You know, I, I understand how hard he works. I understand how dedicated he is to this game. I mean, I don't think he stops throwing baseball a year. In many ways, he's similar to Ichiro. You know, he has his routine and yeah. he, he does it religiously every day and he's very committed to that. And I hope that that ends up giving him the peace of mind that he's after. And, and I hope that that results in him having a very high quality season and helping us win as many ball games as possible. He will have big success if he does what? Fills up the strike zone. You know, I, I think that's the most important thing for him. Um, he understands that. He knows that. He does it in his bullpens extremely well. And now it's making sure that it transfers onto the field. And I think that the less he worries about that, the better off he's going to be when it comes to game time. And he just kind of releases and lets go. And, and he is who he is on the mound and knows himself. Again, he goes back to just being himself out there. He's going to wow a lot of people. You've got another hard-throwing lefty and uh, Justice Chef no, and James Paxton. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I didn't have meant to look it up, and I didn't. Have you faced him before? I have, actually. I faced him in 2019 um, when he was with the Yankees, and then I faced him in the minor leagues on a rehab star as well. Okay. Yeah. You get a little extra insight when you're able to do that? 
a little bit. I understand what it feels like as a hitter, you know, and that's that's different than what it is as a catcher, obviously. Um, you know, I, I, you catch guys that are hard to catch, and you you're like, how does anybody hit him? You know, I can hardly catch it. And and Pax is one of it's it almost fits in that category. Mm-hmm. You know, he has enough command to where you're not exactly uncomfortable as a catcher, but at the same time, it's it's coming at you hot, and it has a lot of movement. It's sharp. And it's good stuff. And he's been around the league, and he knows how to pitch. And um, you know, I, I think he's going to have a big year for us. Flexon, give me something to watch for with him. You know, I, I really like his changeup. I think it's a really good pitch. His arm slot is extremely high. It might be the highest we have on the team. Wow. Um, and that coupled with a changeup that doesn't have much pronation and is just like straight out of his hand with a lot of intent is a really hard pitch to pick up as a hitter. So I think that's pitch that's going to really translate for him over here. He was here. kind of working that last night, wasn't he? Trying to get it and trying to stick with it, it yep. looked like? Okay. And in my opinion, like you have to throw that a lot in spring training games here to, to give you the confidence going into the season that it's going to be there for you. That makes sense. Now your two young ones, Sheffield, he's got his weapons now. He discovered them a year ago. You were part of that. You were away from him. What do you see right now with him? Yeah, I, again, I think he's learned himself better than anyone in the past couple of years. Um, I think he's kind of honed his focus on what's important in this game, and it's really paid off and it's really showed up um, both mentally and physically out there. And I, I couldn't be more proud of that kid and the steps that he's taken the past couple of years. He's a lot of fun to watch, and he's, he's got. It seems like his hair is on fire sometimes. <laughs> yeah. He loves to pitch. He really does. What's that like when you go talk to him on the mound? Um, it, it depends, right? So, I mean. Sometimes that love can turn into a little bit of anger and frustration and, you know, just being fired up like you were talking about. And those are the times that you got to dial back and make sure that he knows that he's an executor, he's not a pitcher, you know. Like, if that's when he's at his best is when he's executing his stuff and not just throwing his stuff. And that's usually my conversation with him. And he usually handles that really well and then takes it into his next pitches. And lastly, Justin Dunn, did you think the wrong guy walked into the clubhouse this year? <laughs> No, and you know, I see a very similar progression that what I, you know with what I saw with Justice, and I see that in Dunn this year. Um, again, he focused on the right things. He came into camp with the right idea, and he was going about things the right way. And that comes with experience in the big leagues, in my opinion. And for him to be able to experience what it was like to you know have somewhat of a season in the big leagues last year and have some time the year before. Um, you know, the game tells you all you need to know when you're willing to watch and listen to it. And I think he really took that information he's gained over the past couple of years and is molding himself into the person and the pitcher that he knows he can be. And that's Tom Murphy, who uh, all of these pitchers just put themselves in his hands. And you can see how he breaks things down. Just gives you a little bit of extra insight that you might not get at that first look. I mean, just the way he talks about pitching and just the way he talks about controlling that staff. I mean, I don't know if you can find any better hands that this group of pitchers are going to be working with uh, in catcher Tom Murphy. Uh, Shannon, there was a name that stood out to me, though, that uh, you guys talked about in that conversation with Tom Murphy, and it's Yusei Kikuchi. And this is somebody that this will be year three for him in the big leagues and his rookie season was up and down, mostly down last year. Uh, some more inconsistency, but from what we've seen from him in in the Cactus League, he has looked to maybe be turning a corner here. What do you think is in store for Yusei here in 2021? 
You know, Curtis, I don't know, and, and that's um, the, the, that's where the intrigue is. His ceiling right now is so high, and it's a matter. You hear it all the time. Oh, you just have to put it all together. It really is with him. There is no question the stuff grades out. It's how he uses it. It's how he reacts in situations. It's how he reacts within innings when he gets into trouble. Um, and, and that's going to be the determinant about that. And you heard, you know, Tom Murphy, he has tried to kind of pull him across in many different situations, and he really wants this for the kid, as he said. And, uh, it, you know, if you haven't been following closely, uh, his first year it was just a, a year of adjustment, and it didn't go well. I, and a lot of that was he didn't look like what we had heard he was in Japan, and the numbers that we had seen, the velocity wasn't what we saw. The stuff wasn't as sharp, and uh, he was hit hard, a lot of home runs, um, and a lot of changes. He would change not just from game to game, but within game. And, and I think that there was a lot of frustration in that, but they were going to let him you know, try and figure it out and be himself in the first year. And uh, he didn't like his season any better than I think we did and went to work on the off season and came back and the stuff was so much better. And it was funny because he had talked a year, you know, his first spring training, Kikuchi talked so much about how important the velocity was. And the way that he talked about hitters, MLB hitters, it almost sounded like there was some intimidation and that he kept talking about how so many of them could hit home runs and how strong they were. But, uh, you know, he took a year's worth of experience, turned it into an incredible off season of work and uh, finished last year top two in velocity for left-handed starters. He's definitely got that. When his stuff is on, he's got good breaking ball. He can throw. He's throwing the change up a little bit here and there, which you know sometimes you don't want him to do, but he is. And his stuff, it, it, it's hard to read. It's got so much movement now. He increased the spin factor on, on uh, some of his pitches. And uh, I think the consensus is the stuff, the weapons are there. And now it's a matter of putting it to good use. And last year, his downfall was that big inning. What happens when you get into trouble? And this spring, that is something that I kept a close eye on. And more often than not, you know, if he opened up a, an inning and walked two batters, it didn't all fall apart. And I think that that is going to be key for him maneuvering out of those situations. And you talk to the coaches, you talk to Tom Murphy, and they'll say to a man, just let the stuff play let it go and I think Kikuchi knows that he needs to do that but sometimes that isn't the easiest thing in the middle of a stadium that I guess will now be filled with 9,000 people but it's just as big as it ever was coming up next we are joined by Mariners Major League Field Coordinator Carson Vitale who's got one of my favorite uh, unique perspectives on the game he's somebody that really likes to think outside the box you're not going to want to miss this Coming up next here on our Mariners season preview on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to the Mariners season preview on 710 ESPN Seattle. Seattle. We are just five days away from when the lights get flipped on and the games all count. Shannon Dreyer, Curtis Rogers with the Mariners season preview here. We're going to welcome in Mariners Major League Field Coordinator Carson Vitale from Peoria in just one minute. But a lot of folks are asking about tickets. We're going to give you a little update here. Mariners, of course, right now are allowed to have 9,000 fans at T-Mobile Park. And uh, a lot of the tickets, the Giants series, the opening series, Thursday, Friday, Saturday is sold out, as is Monday, April 19th, against the Dodgers. But tickets are available for Houston, April 17 and 18, Dodgers, April 20th. Um, 
And then also for the White Sox series, April 5th through 7th and Houston, April 16th. So uh, there are tickets. They are uh, kind of doing this slowly as, as they get more information and following uh, local regulations. They are working hand in hand with that about capacity for the outdoor venues. So uh, this is there's it's going to evolve. It, we're starting out with 9000 right now. It, it feels like we are going to uh, be able to open it up to more and more as the season goes on. On, but uh, for now, just those first two home stands are available, and uh, those tickets are going fast. All right, as promised, we go down to Peoria, where uh, Carson Vitali is joining us. And, and Carson, first thing I got to ask: I mean, are you stationary or are you running right now? <laughs> That's a good question. It's uh, a fair question. Uh, stationary right now at the moment. <laughs> okay. Can you just give us a little update on what you are doing? You um, you are a runner, and throughout the off season, if anybody was following you on social media, you were all over uh, the area and, and doing it for a good cause. Yeah, um, always been a runner since I would say the past ten years, and um, this off season, um, spending a bulk of my time with my wife uh, volunteering through the United Way King County, I opened my eyes to you know, a, a need in the area. Um, and, and frankly, living in Seattle full time now, you know, being from the Pacific Northwest, just felt a lot of civic pride and civic responsibility to uh, give back and do a little more. Um, so, you know, one cold evening um, running, running along Westlake, uh, I thought it would be a good idea to start donating per mile. Um, with that in mind, I set out a goal of running 10 miles a day for all 365 days. And in hindsight, that was a little lofty, but um, I think the each run means a little, mo- little bit more right now, knowing that uh, each mile is going to help uh, kids in Seattle who have food insecurity um, find their next meal. And if people want to get involved, what can they do? Yeah, they can follow me on, on Twitter or Instagram, um, but the, the little app donation site that I set up is called givebutter.com backslash run three six run three six five but i think the best way is just to try to find me on twitter find me on instagram and and follow the links absolutely fantastic and uh you know it's great you saw a need and and you got right to it um want to shift a little bit to the baseball and uh it's hard to believe that spring training is just about to wrap up and, and you're such a fantastic person to have on as major league field coordinator you have a hand in everything um, how would you kind of uh, put into words what this spring has encompassed with everything from trying to get ready for a season to doing it within the COVID protocols to coming into camp with so many young and promising faces? Yeah, it's really, I think, started back in, in late January and early February, trying to figure out you know what, what the constraints we were going to be working with. And I think like any new thing, you know, there's some, some nervousness to start just knowing that we're going to be doing some different things. But I think what, co- what the COVID protocols forced us to do was just to rethink our status quo. And ultimately, I think it's led to a, a more intimate camp um, for our players. You know, a lot of small group workouts, a lot of one-on-one time with our coaching staff. Um, I think this camp has been you know, really productive from the player standpoint and getting in, you know, feeling supported from our coaching staff each day, knowing that each each hour, each working block, and, and ultimately each game is geared towards their development and ultimately the Seattle Mariners' success. 
Um, so I think what what the protocols did was just you know really reshape how we looked at spring training, and I think it's it's provided a lot of good valuable takes that we will ultimately um, use throughout the next you know our, our time here together in Seattle. Um, so no, all, all very encouraging things. Carson Curtis Rogers here. I just want to thank you for taking some time out of your day to join us. Uh, you have one of my favorite perspectives or, or just viewpoints in how you see the game and, and how you see life. And just where did that come from? Your just ability to view things through a lens that maybe not everybody else is, is looking through. Yeah, it, it's a, it's a good question. It's one that I've, I've been asked a lot and it's helped me, you know, kind of frame my perspective. Um, I think everything I can point back to is, is my time living in the Dominican Republic and, and seeing how, uh, people in that country live and are happy and are filled with life, I think really allowed me to pull back my understanding on what is really important in life and what are things that are within my control that I, I can actually account for and have meaning. And I think the game itself is really no different. You know, when we look at, you know, hitting or pitching or fielding, there's a lot of things that are completely within our control. So let's focus on those things. Let's focus on on winning pitches and swinging at, at pitches in our da- damage zone and um, making a, a good pitch to a good location. Um, uh, relatively everything else is, is luck and randomness. And so when you can eliminate all the things that um, are not within our control, it, it allows us to you know, kind of alleviate a lot of the, uh, the negative emotion tied to um, luck-based results. And when we can start focusing on things that are within our control, we can start framing things in a much more positive light. Ultimately, I think helping our team succeed, individuals succeed, and ultimately help us get closer to our, go- our goal of winning a World Series. Um, I think if we eliminate all that noise, just like in life, we eliminate all the noise surrounding, you know, things that are just, you know, with it, with, like not in our grasp, life becomes much more centered and, and we can view it through a much you know, cleaner and positive lens. I love that. And then on a lighter note, uh, for those who, who may not, know your voice or or uh but they may know the beard and the beard is one of your signatures uh for those who have been watching mariners baseball over the last couple of years how how's the beard game coming on uh, here in 2021 is it going to be strong as ever it's going to be strong it's going to be strong i actually you know with opening day around the corner i i did take uh some some shears to it today and, and trimmed it up a little bit and walked into skip's office and he was very happy uh, with with the finished product. It's still it's still in good shape. Uh, it's a little less straggly than it was a couple weeks ago. Carson, we've got just about two minutes left to go here, but I'm very curious as we get closer to the season and, and we get into the season. What are you most curious to see from this group? I'm curious to see how the continuity plays into into how we actually go throughout the season. And we have we've we've developed a, a strong core group of players, and when you walk in that clubhouse, it feels they feel as connected as ever to each other. And I'm I, I, 
I gotta believe, I'm going to believe that that's going to equate to a lot of wins for, for our club. You know, our staff and our players, they feel, we feel united, as united as I've ever felt, um, as a group. And, you know, I think that is, is going to, that's going to play out in a very positive way for our fans and for, for everybody interested in Mariners baseball. You know, our players are connected and caring and they generally are, rooting and pulling for, for everybody in that clubhouse. And, and that's not the case everywhere. I know that. And so I, I just, I'm really excited to see how, how this plays out in terms of our players supporting one another, holding each other accountable, and ultimately it's going to show up in the box score. Uh, I believe that. Yeah, we saw them put that to the test in the toughest of situations last year. And even from up uh, up above in the press box and not being able to get into a clubhouse, you could see how together – uh, that group was, and uh, definitely saw that down in Peoria. Carson, you've been a big part of that. So grateful that you were able to stop by, spend a few minutes with us. Um, enjoy your last few days of the sun. Uh, you are from the Pacific <laughs> Northwest, so you know what's coming at T-Mobile Park yes, in I April, do. but uh, we can't wait for it. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Go in. And that's Carson Vitale there, Curtis. And you know what he's talking about. It just, uh, it, it's almost an X factor. And the great teams have it. There's got to be a little something extra. And when Jerry DePoto set out to, to put this all back together, it, he was, uh, he very strongly wanted to bring up a group together. And he wanted to have a system throughout the minor leagues. And I think a lot of what Carson is talking about is something that's been in development for a long time and reinforced at every level. Absolutely, and uh, I mean, it, you look at what this organization has has you know put out to do ever since Jerry Depoto and Scott Service took over is just have the same messaging throughout each level as as these you know prospects continue to develop at, you know at every station in the minor leagues, and it's people like Carson Vitale who have have been there along the way. Pete Woodworth, another guy, the pitching coach. Uh, who was uh, with AA Arkansas a couple of years ago, um, just to have those consistent voices with these guys as they make their way up through the, up through the system and up, up to the major league level, uh, it really you know, makes it you know, so much easier on these players that they're able to have these uh, you know, same voices along the way. And uh, you, know, you hear Carson's perspective, that's somebody that you want uh, you know, helping these guys out along the way. Absolutely, and it's an investment. It's not just the players; it's it's the stand or it's the staff as well. And you hear about the people in the process, and uh, that has been a big, big part of what you now see on the field. And we're going to get a little bit more into specific groups that you see on the field coming up next as the Mariners season preview continues. You're listening to the Mariners season preview on seven ten ESPN Seattle. CJP. Taking charge of the infield now. You see him, you know, moving guys, positioning guys, and you know, taking that kind of that leadership role in the infield. And you know what? Hey, this is, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take charge of this. And you know, you see the the growth in him there. So I mean, that's been that's been incredible. How do you characterize him? I mean, I I see him from a distance, and last year, and the little bit that I talked to him, it's like he seemed just like the California chill guy. And people keep saying, "There's a leader in there." No, 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 he does. And when you first meet him, that's what he he comes across as, right? So that's a good way of describing him. But more you're around him, you see that that edge. I'm a huge fan of edge, right? So you see that edge. You see that drive. You see that competitiveness. You see that. 
you know, in every aspect, right? So, I mean, you see it on the defensive side. You see it on the offensive side. You see it on the base running side. I mean, you know, whether, you know, like we talked about with, you know, Raul, Willie, Nelly, all, any of those guys you want to talk about, you know, your personalities, you may be portrayed in one fashion, but that might not be what's driving them on the inside, and that's, that's, a, that's a pretty good way of talking about JP, I think. You recognize that voice. That's the voice of Kyle Seeger with some very high praise from Mariner shortstop J.P. Crawford. Gold Glove winner. Gold Glover talking about another Gold Glover. Uh, J.P. Crawford winning the shortstop Gold Glove in the American League in 2020. Uh, Shannon, I mean, this position group, this starting nine for the Mariners this season, uh, there's going to be plenty of questions, uh, probably not as as – I guess settled as the starting rotation is right now, but you've got JP at shortstop, Evan White at first base. Seventy-five percent of your infield has won a Gold Glove. Dylan Moore likely going to be the second baseman. I mean, that's not a bad place to start when you're putting together this lineup card when you know the gloves are going to be there in your infield. Yeah, it's the other though, isn't it? And I think that that's where it's kind of important that you're looking at. They are allowing for figuring things out this year and development. And, you know, you look to what next offseason is going to be, and there are going to be some big, big infielders available. Uh, so it's, you know, hopefully you don't need to fill something there or you can pick and choose what you want to fill if that's what you want to go into. But, you know, you look at Evan White, you know uh, that the, the glove is there. It's going to be there. He has got a shot at just being a perennial gold glover. There's no question about that. And I think that we started to see as spring training went on that Evan White's bat was starting to come along. And I haven't checked it in the last couple of days, but even though he was hitting just 175 a few days ago, he was still leading all of baseball in runs batted in. And Scott Service was really stressing, don't always focus in on that average. Obviously, you don't want him 175 all year, but he was being productive. He was hitting the ball hard, and uh, he was doing a, a number of things right, particularly about two weeks, three weeks into the spring game. So all eyes are going to be on Evan White. Dylan Moore, I think we all kind of agree that ideally if you get into a championship team situation, he is your super utility. That's his value. Well, not a lot of people can do that. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how he does settle into second base, how much he does play uh, every now and then he'll play shortstop. Do we see him in the outfield very much? And can he continue? And that's where those 60 days, 60 games that we saw last year does bring up that question mark. Is what we saw last year at the plate what Dylan Moore is? We're going to find out. Uh, J.P. Crawford, you heard Kyle Seeger talk about him, and you want to see that bat coming along. You want to see a little bit more from it. Didn't necessarily see it in spring training, but for the last two years, Scott Service has been talking about the leadership qualities in J.P. Crawford. I don't think we always saw it because, as I mentioned in that interview, he is very California chill, very quiet, but uh, I think... I think Kyle Seeger put it to rest that there's no question there's a lot of fire there and the ability to lead an infield, to call the plays, to do what he needs to do there on top of you know just being brilliant defensively. And that's something that he's worked into. It's not all... It wasn't all there when he got to the Mariners. Thank you, Perry Hill. So interesting infield group there. And uh, as we know, this is likely the last year for Kyle Seeger, too. What next there? Is Ty France going to be your everyday third baseman going forward? I think you know he is going to be in the lineup every day. But what's that going to look like a year from now? Yeah, I like that you bring up Ty France because that bat, you just can't keep it out of the lineup. It is just one of the best 
I think, tools in the entire Mariners organization, just his ability to, to spray it around the field, and not just hit for power, but hit, you know, hit into the gaps as well. Uh, he's probably going to be the DH to start the season, but he does have some positional flexibility. He plays the corner infield positions. He can also play second base. He's not necessarily going to have a, a decent glove, but there is some added ability. How do you think Ty France fits into the big picture here with the Mariners? Is this somebody that they're going to you know, have high hopes for and maybe make him part of of the future going forward with the young guys like Kyle Lewis and Jared Kelnick and, uh, you know, Julio Rodriguez at some point, you know, in, in the next you know year or two, it, or is this somebody that, you know, you kind of wait and see with? No, I think if he is what they think he is, he is a part of this future. And this is somebody that Jerry Depoto has had an eye on for a long, long time. You know, 34th round draft pick, which is just crazy, and it's something we're probably not going to see again. I think the draft will, you know, permanently, uh, you're not going to see as many rounds going forward. But, um, you know, his development happened in the second year at AA, and he's taken off since then in AAA uh, two years ago for, I believe it was about 75 games. He hit 399. Uh, that's real. That, you know, there's no question about that. You talk to anybody about him. I joke about it on Twitter all the time, but uh, I've, I've named him Ty. He can really hit France because anybody you talk to, his name is followed by. He can really hit. Like, it's just a matter of fact. So uh, whether that be in a DH, I think ideally they would like him to be at third base, and uh, that could be a year-long process in the way that they're going to do that. You won't see him there very often. You'll see Kyle Seeger there, but he's going to be out every day working with Perry Hill. And we'll see what a year's instruction, where that can get him. Because they do prize defense as well. You're not just going to put anybody on that Mariners infield. But if he can raise his game to above average in the field as well, he's got a good shot of nailing down that spot for a long time to come. Absolutely he does. And, uh, you know, that's the infield. How about the outfield this year? You've got Kyle Lewis, reigning American League Rookie of the Year, uh, dealing, you know, with some nicks and bruises over the last couple of days, hasn't been in the lineup, but uh, the expectation is that he'll be ready to go by the start of the season, unless we hear otherwise. But also Taylor Trammell in the outfield, most likely Jake Fraley potentially up as well. Mitch Haniger, a name that has not been at the forefront of people's minds for about a year and a half. A lot of questions with this outfield to start the season. How do you think it's going to sort itself out? And do, do you think that, uh, you know, this group is going to be maybe the most different from where it is on opening day to where we see it at the end of the year? Hmm, that's an interesting question. I, I see one spot that's kind of being kept warm right now. We'll, we'll get into the Jared Kelnick situation <laughs> and hear from him a little bit later in uh, the next hour. But, um, you know, uh, first of all, I, I hope everything is okay with Lewis, and we should hear more about that before the end of this show. Uh, Scott Service will talk to the media again at 2.30 today, and, uh, you know, they're, they're saying that he, if you've missed it, he banged his knee into a wall on Monday night and hasn't been in a lineup since. Uh, we were told that tests revealed no structural damage to the knee. I don't believe it was the same knee that, uh, you know, he had so many problems with early on in his career, and, and that's encouraging right there. But until you see him back in the lineup, that is going to be a little bit of a concern. But um, you feel good about what you saw, and I think the biggest thing with him is length of season. You want to see what his ups and downs look like. If he's able to shorten those, 
uh, as the season goes on. You know about the power. What steps does he take forward? One of the things that they're looking for him to do is don't be afraid to try and do a little bit more damage. We've saw, seen from time to time uh, with two outs or with two strikes, uh, he, he can kind of settle for maybe the single the other way. But that potential and that power and the opportunity for the double is still there for him and as he gets more comfortable and where he's at and as he gets to know pitching more I think you'll see him do that more and that's something to keep an eye on Mitch Haniger was one of the biggest surprises of camp Uh, his transition after not playing for a year and a half was seamless and I am not one for hyperbole and I don't like you know kind of leaving any stones unturned but really it didn't look like he missed a day and that speaks to his preparation he challenges himself to make his practices harder than what an actually actual game and more challenging than what actual competition would be and it looks like that has paid off and that's good news because if you get 2018 Mitch Haniger back in right field you've got an all-star in right field so you know, Taylor Trammell is, is going to be the wild card, and, and who knows how long he'll have to kind of establish himself and show himself because you are going to see Jared Kelnick in left field at some point, and I, I think it's going to be sooner than later. And, uh, you know, with Jake Fraley turning on uh, the kind of turning up the Jets a little bit in the last couple of weeks of spring training, I think you feel a little bit better if you have to go any deeper, if you have to bring somebody up if anything happens. I think that you feel pretty good about that, but hopefully. Hopefully, at the very least, the uh, Hanager and the Lewis situation are, are things that are constant and Trammell continues to provide a surprise, and then you really have to do some juggling uh, in a few weeks or a couple of months. She is Shannon Dreher. I'm Curtis Rogers. Hour two up next. How will success be measured for this 2021 Mariners ball club after a couple of years of wandering the desert? Do they turn it on in 2021 We'll get into that conversation next year on our Mariners season preview special on 710 ESPN Seattle.